Hello everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of Anything But Sports. I'm John Bowling, your co-host. And I'm Sire Hawkham, the host in training. <laughs> and today we have a very special guest, Davi Gomez. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I know nothing about you. So my question for you is, how did you get here to this table today? starting at the beginning of your life. I want you to tell us everything oh, <laughs> straight from through the day you were born to how you ended up here at this table. Sheesh. Let's see. I'll go quick. I was born to a Colombian dad, American mom, uh, in a hospital called the Women's Hospital. Like from little I would like put my nose on the stroller and like go like that for people to laugh and then, you know, laugh with them. Do you still do that? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so my mom met my dad as a, an exchange student first, and then as a missionary, came down and and saw that my dad was before he wasn't a believer, Christian, and then um, and then so she fled. She was like, "No, I'm not going to be with him. He's not a Christian." Mm-hmm. And then he waited for five years, and in that time, got involved in the ministry she was in. Mm-hmm. And so kind of became a Christian, started doing stuff. She came back, saw that, got together. The rest is history. I was uh, just programmed to go to college from when I was little. Like, I knew I was going to go to the U.S. for college because the uh, education is way better here. And a lot of people see that like that, like it's the promised land where, like, you grow up in Colombia, but if you have the opportunity, you then come here and continue your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's see, so I went to college, went to Asbury. At first, I was a theater major, and I went in, and I didn't like the people. <laughs> and so I left. Like, the day of orientation, I was like, okay, I'm changing my major. But then, yeah, I did media comm. Someone convinced me. It was like, hey, look, it's like art and technology together. And I was into improv big time. I had done it through high school. I thought of a filmmaker, and I was like, ah, they're like artsy and, mm-hmm. you know. Pretentious. Yeah, pretentious. I'm not going to do that. But then I really fell in love with the yeah with the art of making it and, like, how much of your personality you could put into it and how much you you got to know a friend by their films. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, And, like, I could see, I don't know if you know Connor Worthy. You know, oh, Connor I know Worthy. Connor Worthy. But, like, you could see a film of his, and you're like, that's Connor's film. And <laughs> it's so cool to know him. And then see a film of his and be like, ooh, that's a Connor film. And I can tell that came from him, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's even friends of mine that aren't filmmakers that I wish were to see their films and see, like, how their personality would go into that. So I fell in love with that. And I'd acted in high school a lot. I was never afraid of, like, yeah, being in front of people. But I've never really learned well how to act, to be honest. And I was a theater minor at Asbury. I didn't learn anything <laughs> under, I'm not going to name any names, sure. <laughs> at Asbury. Yeah, I co-directed a comedy show, and I did an internship at a theater that did improv, and so I learned like a ton of how to teach improv. It was so cool to go back to teaching improv to FNL after the internship, because I came back with so many things and like just tools, and it like got so much better. And then at the end of college, I wrote and directed a musical. And it was like the capstone project. And it was a lot of fun. And honestly, my dream in life is to like recreate that in a worldly way. So I graduated and I started doing interpreting 
which is translating. I just need to make money. Sure. And and officially, I was making $2 an hour in Colombia. What? In Colombia. No way. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, it was 6,000 6, pesos an hour, which is like $6 over there. Yeah. But with the exchange rate, like if I, if I took that money and brought it here, which is what I did, mm-hmm. it was $2 an hour. And I was working 48 hours a week. And I was just at a desk and you're like, well, basically repeating what people say in the other language. And then I move over here because I had a, a friend in Chattanooga who needed roommates and he was a good friend of mine. I was in a trailer park and it was a really sketchy neighborhood. I had some very interesting interactions with neighbors. Then, okay, Katie, my girlfriend, I started with her in our sophomore year. So yeah, she's from Kennesaw in Atlanta. So that's why I was in Chattanooga. It was the closest I could find that I could afford. And so I'd go down and see her like an hour and a half um, that it took to get there. And maybe I'd go once a week, once every two weeks. So I didn't see her that often. And it was terrible. Then got engaged. Then I did an internship with a church that grew me a lot spiritually. You know, it was the time in my life where I was most worshiping. Reading the Bible, feeling it, feeling good about it. And through that, we heard of a church at an apartment complex. And so we met the pastor, and we were trying to find a place to live anyway. And the pastor was going to move. So he let a, he you know moved out, and we slipped in to, and grabbed his <laughs> snatched his apartment. We were like, that'll be ours. So then, because of the pastor's mom, she was the HR lady for the whole apartment complex, which has like five properties around Atlanta. She told me they were looking for a bilingual uh, for another complex to just kind of be there, help the people apply and get the apartment, and then help the tenant while they're there. So anyway, I heard they were interested, so I applied for that and got it. And I've been doing that ever since, and honestly like it. I feel like a, a handyman and it gets me busy. It's like talking to people. I've met a lot of people. Honestly, I feel like I, I know I'm not a dad, but that's the next you know, natural phase and I'm like inching towards that, you know, like real world things are, are becoming more prevalent in my brain where I'm like, you know, I, I'm liking kind of getting grounded. And I then agree. John asked me to come here and I came here in my car, <laughs> 2010 Kia Sportage. Yeah. So <laughs> how, how does the concept, it sounds like you're, are you looking forward to maybe becoming a father? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. we're, st- we're thinking like three or four, Four or five years. Four okay. or five years. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Did, was there ever a point in your life you. where you were like, no, I'm never having children? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. When was I that? think there was even a point where I was like, I'm not getting married. And I remember my dad being like, no, so I'm the respectable man gets married or something like that. Yeah. So what do you think changed? Uh, from that? I mean, that was like middle school. Early high school, maybe. So, a it, so yeah, a long, long time ago. Yeah, and, and I mean, it was like, maybe even in the back of my head, it was like, I know I'm, I'm not going to think this later. I'll see characters in movies and stuff and be like, I like the freedom. I'm not going to get married. Why would I get married? I'm going to be, you know, living my dream as an adult. And now you're living a different dream. Yeah, it's a very different dream. Yeah. Yeah, but I've learned to not be complacent, but be content, you know? That's a hard balance to strike. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's very easy to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And I've learned that, that what you do isn't what defines you. What is it, do you think, that defines you? 
I mean, it is what you do, but what I mean is it's not your the exact job, nine to five you're doing right then. But I guess the reasons why you're doing that defines you. And I always, I that's I hate what I've become in a way of I'm like I hate like Nick Martinez. I don't know if you know, but I know Nick. it's like he graduated and abandoned all creativity and was like a waiter for like three years. It's like what are you doing, bro? You just you know, sitting in your couch. Screw you, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you think that since you are right now outside of like a creative job, you but you know that you are going to eventually go back into it. So this is kind of just like supplementing income until you can get to a creative position. Yeah. Or even if, if creativity comes in a really unique way, one of you know, many possibilities of me and Katie's is having like a rock climbing gym slash coffee shop where it's like a coffee shop with Colombian coffee, tables and chairs and, you know, stuff to make coffee and baristas. And then, you know, just like a cave, maybe a cave and a wall that's kind of tall, but I don't know. I don't think we want ropes. Imagine if like all our income came from that, but then on the side, you know, I'm making music and helping people and stuff. It's just kind of a hobby, you know? That's I've awesome. kind of just accepted yeah. it. I don't want to become famous from doing anything, you know? Anything? I mean, if I could do what, like, making films and theater from scratch and have, like, a ton of money to be able to do it and pull it off and not be famous from it, that'd be the ideal job. So, just have a ton of money and then no one ever knows about it. Well, the thing is, like, you, when you do that, you, it does, you do need the marketing aspect. Sure, you yeah. need the audience. So you kind of have to mm-hmm. do that. So I want to switch gears here. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what you're passionate about inside media. Inside media. What excites you about being creative? Ooh. Let's see. I think if I get down to the nitty gritty, making people feel. Or honestly, I just care so much about people admiring me that I like it when I make someone feel, you know, go like, oh, that's good. That's interesting. But let's see, I'm really into just raw creativity. So like improv, freestyling, you know, just stuff off the cuff and like creativity without preparation. Just like, I love the shows where it's like a, like a Curb Your Enthusiasm, where they kind of know what's going to happen, but they just improv it. And like, and that that's the funniest stuff to me. So along that line, uh, what excites you outside media, like in your current job as a leasing agent? Mm. Or in your personal life. Yeah. Let's see. Feeling useful. I love feeling useful. I like seeing that my parents raised me well and have given has have given me skills and raised me in a way that allows me to be good at, you know, any job after some training. Yeah, maybe they've they've told me I can do anything I set my mind to. Um, I like helping people. Um, I grew up doing social service, like going to mission trips and like orphanages. My school was big on that. And so I've always, you know, liked that and and felt that we should do that. And that's what we as worldly citizens should do, you know, if like, if we're high at all, we should help the people below us. So yeah, like right now my life is working for Dwell, volunteering for Dwell. And, and I think they very much like, it's helping out. That's the words I felt God telling me. You're just you're helping out, helping out the complex, and fixing a lot of things, bringing it back to you know working like a well oil machine, and I like being part of that. So let's take those two things, your two separate passions, one inside media, one outside. Mm-hmm. How do they connect? 
How do you see, mm-hmm. are there any like strands that connect the two? Uh, inside media, something I am passionate about is jamming. You know, I've always thought that word is like jamming. I want to jam. Like the music, I want to jam with somebody. Even in a scene, your acting scene, in an improv scene, it's like you're, you know, interacting with somebody, jamming with them. So, and I think in my job right now, yeah, that's that's what it is. It's helping people. Yeah, I I care about people and that they are all right and that they're doing okay. You th- you think there's any overlap between like, improving comedy or and and improving helping people find a solution or solving problems and stuff. I think so, yeah. It's creative problem before. solving. I mean, it's using what's there, what's on the table to to solve something. Yeah, maybe an improv, like you're going to start a scene and you're like, what's in my head? Oh, a fireman that has a Dalmatian that's all white. Just go, you know. <laughs> so that's, what, that's, what I had, that's what I had in my head was the options that first came. So I'm just going to learn to use them. And definitely the office environment, the, my boss is like quick paced, boom, 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 and responding quickly. And that's something that improv helps you. Like people do it as speech therapy as well. Like there's an exercise where you have to repeat a word back. Like if you say hug, I say kiss. Like the first word that comes in my head. Like say the first word. As soon as I say this word, say what comes to your head. Table. Dog. Sandwich. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. It's whatever. And, and even if, you know, Dog. it has nothing yeah, to do with it. I was thinking of that Dalmatian. <laughs> even if it has nothing to do with it, yeah, it helps people. <laughs> so within improv, mm-hmm. are there any, like, types of characters that you love playing? <laughs> like something that you go to every single time? That's a good question. There was, like, the sunglasses guy yeah. that, my, that my high school teacher said that I'd always do. It was just, like, like you know, someone really happy. But I think I just like go to that when I was trying to be like, yeah, somebody confident, you know. I don't know. I just I, I go hard. Like I never am like the normal person that comes in. I was like, I don't know, it's easier for me to go big and then that bring conversation, you know, like, oh, I'm an old grandma. And then, you know, that'll bring up whatever we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. instead of being the normal person and going, hey, how's it going? You know, but the old grandma. Yeah, I do a lot of old grandma. So when you're playing the old grandma or any of these other different characters, mm-hmm. have you learned anything about yourself? You think there are instances where you're like, man, I really didn't know this about myself. This character really brought it out. Or improv mm. in general. Have you learned anything about yourself through improv? Through improv. I mean, just I think that na- that off-the-cuff ability that I'm attracted to, you know, you, you're attracted to what you, you're good at. You know, you like doing what you're good at. And it's something I've realized, like, oh, other people don't have as much, you know. But I've trained it. I think if everyone has trained it, they would be able to do it. And that's interesting to even think, like, oh, I do have an ability in that because I, I like, I don't use it as much now. So it's harder for me to find value in it, you know. Yeah, being like, oh, yeah, I used to rely so much on creativity as my value, you know, and now I don't have it. It's like, dang, what do I do? what used to, you know, have to the world, which is part of why I'm liking grounding myself and learning how to, you know, my, I got a tool toolbox for Christmas, but like learn how to do every single tool, learn how to, you know, be a plumber of your own house, like my dad was and didn't teach me. <laughs> yeah, I know. He can still, though, he's alive, so I'll be like, hey, teach me how to do this stuff. I thought you brought up a really good point where, you know, you had a lot of your identity in your creative endeavors. 
And now yeah. you feel like you're not really doing much that's creative. And so your mm-hmm. question that you're asking yourself is like, who am I? What am mm-hmm. I contributing? Yeah. So talk a little bit. Have you came to terms with that? Like, are you comfortable with yourself the way you are right now? Yeah, I've really, I've like gone the other way where before I was like trying to be the creative guy. And I'm like, no, I don't need to do that. You know, it's like people say like, you can't quit creativity. Real creators, you know, make constantly. It's easy to make, you know. It's like, no. You, I can, if this is not coming, I cannot do it for three years. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But then maybe it's like, oh, well, what does mean something? You know, what do I have other than this? And honestly, that's what's brought me closer to God. God made this world and how this world works is how he made it, you know. And he designed this world and how he designed us is the way it's supposed to be. So I should be, you know, I should finally be a part of that and like get myself into that. Because that's how the world works. So are you fulfilled right now? Do you feel fulfilled? I think there are things I need to do and habits I need to create better in my life to get to that point. Like what? Like I need to be more disciplined. I need to get up. I need to sleep well, eat well, work out well. It's way better than I have. And I know that's on the superficial level, but like it really does. If, if you're... If your foundation is good, but that's not good, then then you're wobbly. So I think I have a good foundation. I just need to tweak it. So when you create a movie, where do you want your audience's heart to be when they finish your your film? I think I want want them to feel like worked on. Worked on? Yeah. (laughs) Sore? Yeah. But good. Yeah. Uh, Do you know when you you like finish an emotional conversation with somebody that like argument but like it ended really well maybe and like you're getting back together and crying or something and your heart just feels like yeah (laughs) like they're taking on a ride yeah an emotional roller coaster some would say there you go (laughs) so you brought up nick martinez earlier in this conversation and you you said that you feel like he has abandoned creativity (laughs) because a little bit and I uh, got a job as a waiter for three years. Mm-hmm. And then you also have just said yourself that you feel like you have yeah. stepped away from creativity. Mm-hmm. And you and said that you fine. feel like you haven't really done anything <laughs> for the past three years as well. Yep. If we like brought Nick Martinez in through this door <laughs> right now, like what would you say? How would how would you talk to him? Maybe I would ask him, yeah, why didn't you do any, any projects or anything after? <laughs> I would ask him, if, I guess. What if he said, well, why didn't you? I would say... Because I felt like I didn't have an audience. Yeah, like, that's honestly what I felt. That, like, that I would... That, like, I can put all this stuff out and and make a video and put it out. And, like, who's going to see it? You know, no one's going to see it anyway. People that see it might be out of pity. Or might, like, kind of be like, ah, this is funny. Like, I'm doing this because I like, you know, the beat is something funny the beat made. Or something cool the beat made. But just kind of like Facebook friends, like you posted. Yeah, not like oh he made art. I'm gonna watch his art because it's deep, you know. Right. Or it's or it's funny, and I follow this guy because he's funny, you know. I kind of go. I always in my life, it's always been. I've had like it's like comedy, and then it, and then I go towards more dramatic and like deep stuff, and then I go more. I'm not, I'm gonna do comedy. I'm a comedian, and then I like go to. Uh, to back I've and always, forth. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've always been in the shift. Do, do you feel like you have a different perspective on people who are not in creative jobs? 
now that you have kind yeah. of stepped away and are doing a job that's not traditionally creative? Yeah, I think so. I found the benefit in being reliable in people asking you for help. I feel like before people would never, you know, ask me for, oh, can you do me a favor? Like I need to, do you have jumper cables to jump my car? So I found the virtue in that. And I think it goes along with being a husband. And even like, oh yeah, I said jamming, you know, it goes really well with that, you know, loving people. So what would you say, when you were in college, what would you say your definition of success was Mm. versus what is your definition of success now? How are those two things different and how have you changed? I've always thought that like what I chase is, is happiness, you know, just feeling good. Yeah. Do you know the Enneagram? So when I take it, I'm a four wing three. So you like unique, wants to be different and then ambitious and wants to be significant. But but I don't know, I've always realized I've always just thought that I'm that what I'm chasing is yeah, just to feel good and people liking me makes me feel good. Yeah. So that's what I idolize, I think. So influence. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, influence significance. Yeah. Is that still your definition of success? But I think I think now it still would be, but in a different sense. You How can so? be you can be just as significant in your family, you know, with in small communities and in small ways. I I, I would even say no no no. I I think I want to be significant in a different way, where I want to be like I'm attracted to being a strong disciplined faithful father and husband whereas before i wanted to be the wolf of wall street you know literally i wanted to have that life and be famous and (laughs) have women all around me and drugs and (laughs) not that far i wanted to show up in my convertible to my you know movie set where i'm making 16 million dollars so you feel like maybe your definition of success has went from being significant on a surface level to a lot of people to now being significant on a very deeper level to a few people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you're impacting people so much more in that way. And then even, you know, past your family, I think it's community. And I found that at, at the apartment complex. And then later it might be, you know, if I'm a theater teacher, it might be my theater students. Or it might be the improv, you know, team that I'm with. Well, let's talk about the future for a little bit. Why, mm-hmm. How do you want your life to change? over the next yeah. three years, for example, yeah. like creatively, relationship-wise, family-wise, like what are some of your goals that you want to achieve? Something uh, that me and my wife are desiring a lot is traveling. For me, languages as well. And even maybe, you know, I'm attracted to being useful. In my head, it's like, oh, languages. If someone knows a lot of languages, they're smart, and they're a world citizen, you know, and they can travel everywhere and be useful. And I was an interpreter before, so that, you know, I was useful in that way. I don't know. There's so much. Like, maybe I'll, I'll want to keep doing real estate, kind of what I'm doing now, if that gives me money. But I'm kind of thinking, like, that's uh, not all of my strengths. Like, maybe not. But I think I do definitely see myself improving with music making, eventually having a studio in my home with a piano, guitar, everything, learning well how to record, you know, making amazing beats having people over the rap to them and putting stuff out just even just as it comes like I don't even care about making money just like put stuff out 
And, you know, God does stuff and, you know, hopefully things happen. Or if that's what happens, but on the film side or on the on the theater side. But right now it's like I'm more just, I don't know, naturally desiring music. And then Dad's Garage is like Second City in Atlanta. And so I'm going to get involved with them. I'm going to like go up in the classes and then you graduate and then they can invite you to the shows. So I'm going to do that, try to do some improv. Nothing's ever happened that I think is going to happen. In college, I was like, let's see what happens. You know, I have all these things that I like to do, improv, music, theater, acting, directing. And I, I just kind of like fit the cogs as, as, you know, as it kept going. So it wasn't like I had a plan and I did it. So that's kind of how I'm doing it now. I'm like, well, I'm going to follow all of them, but I'm going to follow more, you know, harder the ones that I desire naturally and and just see what happens because i know in the future i will work hard towards bigger things but not right now david thanks so much for the conversation today um, we like to ask our guests uh, at the end what is one word that you could categorize this entire conversation therapy i'll say that therapy yeah <laughs> that's awesome mm-hmm. that's great no glad that's what you got out of it today yeah all right what was your words um contentment oh, i like well, it thank you so much for your time today really appreciate it and uh we'll see everyone next week for sure thank you guys goodbye bye audience goodbye